Welcome to Conversations With. My name is Shaley Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. Sharing our stories will educate others, bring more understanding, shed more light and smash more stigma. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Hi everyone, welcome back to This is Bipolar. If this is your first time, I am Shaylee Hugendorn. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a mama, a wife, a school teacher, and I live with Bipolar 2 disorder. I live on the unceded territory of the Quiquitlam and Katesy people, otherwise known as Port Coquitlam, BC, Canada. And I am so excited because I have my new friend, Brandon, here. Um, I was just joking about Brandon that it feels like I know him because I follow his Instagram and he does amazing videos and we will put all his handles because I want you to go follow him because he is doing amazing work. Brandon, I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely. So um, my name is Brandon. Um, otherwise, I also call B-Rest by some people. You can call me either or. Um, I'm a rapper that's been diagnosed with bipolar too. So I've been living with that for some time. Um, I'm very passionate about music because it's something that I've been doing for a really long time. It's a way that I could really express my feelings and emotions and things like that. But I'm equally as passionate about um, mental health advocacy or speaking about mental illness just because um, you know I've experienced the stigma that comes along with it and I have faith that if we keep on speaking about it then we can continue chipping away at that stigma so um, that's that I'm currently in Atlanta Georgia I've okay. been there for the last like 11 years or so so this is like definitely home at this point but I'm originally from Richmond Virginia and um, yeah, I mean it's it's amazing. Like I, I'm I'm loving I'm loving Atlanta. Um, Atlanta's really cool. I've thought about moving some other places too, but you know I'm chill right here for now. You're chill right there. That's awesome. I I love interviewing people from all over. I'm always uh, curious about time zones, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. I think you're three hours ahead of me. So that's yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. I am curious. When did when did you start to notice that maybe something was a little different or wonder if there was something wrong or did you see anything in your childhood or teen years looking back? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've had a few times, but I'll speak on like a couple. Like um, one thing that would happen with me a whole lot when I was probably like eight or nine, 10 at the latest um, whenever I would stay at my grandparents' house, it would be me and my little brother, we shared a room together, and I would keep waking up in the middle of the night crying because I was, like, obsessively thinking about family members passing away. I was thinking mm -hmm. about just a, a lot of, like, just sad stuff like that, and I couldn't stop thinking about it, so I would just cry and cry and cry. That was, like, one thing, but it kind of, you know, stopped, really, for a while, and I think like the biggest thing for me though was probably in high school. Um, I was probably in like ninth or 10th grade and um, my cousin and I and some of his friends, we 
um, we decided that weekend that we were gonna, you know, smoke some some weed and we smoked a whole lot of it. And for whatever reason, everyone else was fine. But after we finished, I went into now what I know is like psychosis where oh, wow. I was hallucinating. I was seeing things, I was feeling things on me, I was sweating, I was screaming. It was it was wild. It was really crazy. And then what happened after that is for the rest of high school. I had flashbacks of that, that night. Oh, wow. So um, for the rest of my time in high school, that happened and I didn't really share it with my mom because, you know, if I shared it with her, then she would know I've been. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of had to keep it a secret, but it got bad to where, you know, there have been times I've been in the shower, for example, and like a scary face from that night would pop up and I actually would like jump out of the shower, like wow. and react to it like that. So I think having to really hold that in and contain that for all the high school, like it did a lot of, like, I, I feel like damage looking back, but that was probably the first time I experienced like a full, like break, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Um, for those that have never experienced like um, psychosis, can you, if it doesn't, um, trigger you or activate you at all let me know um, can you describe a little bit more like you said like did you feel sensory things yeah. you said you felt itchy or you saw scary faces or if you're willing would you be yeah, willing definitely. To share okay yeah, so um yeah it was kind of like um I felt like I almost got like tunnel vision at the time where it's like everything that was like real and around me like kind of like blacked out and all I saw was just like I can't really describe the faces, mm -hmm. but they weren't pleasant. They were more like scary or like monsters or something like that. And then I kept feeling like somebody was like grabbing me almost. Yeah. Like it was like hands and stuff like that that I kept feeling. And I even saw my heart beating and then I saw it stop beating. It was a lot of stuff like that. And I think the scariest part is being stuck somewhere in the middle where it's like, at least this is how I felt at that moment. Like, I know that this is not real, but mm. it's having such an effect on me that like I, I can't distinguish really between like reality and, and things like that. So um, that's probably like the best way I could describe that. But afterwards, mm. um, what would happen is just, it would really play off of stuff that I was scared of already. So like, mm. for example, I have a, not really a phobia, but I don't like like worms and stuff like that yeah. and sometimes like like I remember um it was probably like 12th grade I was cutting the grass in my mom's backyard under the trees and in my mind like a worm came down out the tree and like wrapped around me and like I jumped and ran away from the lawn mm -hmm. but yeah it was it was pretty bad I just didn't know what it was I didn't know yeah what psychosis was or any of that at the time because I just held it in really yeah, yeah. And how do you know if we're not talking about it, right? In schools and and those kinds of things. Wow. And so when you had those experiences, they, they just last, like they just kind of faded or just like go away within a little bit? Or what did that look like? Um, I mean, sometimes it would be like, I feel like sometimes it would last like five to 10 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And then it would start fading, but the the anxiety that it caused was still there. So even when 
it actually faded. I was still, you know, feeling like real, real anxious and, you know, and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I really related to when you said that in between, that knowing that mm-hmm. it's not true or that it might not happen or um, knowing that you might be overreacting or things, but then not being, I think that that explains bipolar disorder really well. Like, but not being able to stop it. Yeah. Like sometimes I say to my husband, which clearly isn't true, but sometimes I'm like, I just wish I was like crazy, but didn't know. Cause then I can speak, <laughs> then right. I'll just, then you all can deal with it. Right. But like the knowing and not being able to stop, like I'm hearing myself say these like things that aren't very nice to him or not being very, you know, kind or other things. Right. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, in my, I'm like, stop, stop. Right. But I, it's like, it just feels like this urgency to do. So I really, I really related to that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I'm curious when did things like what age were you or when did things start to get worse leading up to getting a diagnosis? I see what you mean. So um, I would have to say probably um, 17, like yeah. I was about to go to college Um my dream throughout high school was to make the drum line for this one particular college mm. and I tried out for them I got a scholarship to play in a marching band and I say about a few weeks before I was set to report to band camp I was at my cousin's house the same cousin ironically and we were watching tv and then all of a sudden um now I know it was a panic attack but mm. I just started like panicking like my heart was beating real fast and I was sweating and things like that and I felt like I was just losing control really and um that led to me going to a um, I didn't know anything about a psychiatrist so I just went to a PCP or primary care physician and mm. originally they were like okay so you have um I guess generalized anxiety yeah um, okay so um I ended up reporting to band camp couldn't stick it out because my nerves were so bad and I was so anxious. So I ended up dropping out of band, dropped my scholarship. And then later on that year is when I first started experiencing depression. A lot of it was around a relationship that I was in at the time. But um, even after that was over, I would have these long periods of just being just sad and couldn't really like figure out why and the low energy. And so really from 2000 and six or 2007 up to 2017 my diagnosis was just depression and anxiety yeah. and um then 2017 came around and that's when I first started at least that I could notice like showing symptoms of what I now know as mania and mm-hmm. you know that kind of like shifted the diagnosis to bipolar two and you know, from then it's just been, you know, just trying to, just trying to deal with it the best I can, you know? Yeah. 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 You touched on something really important. It seems as though in in a lot of the research and experience um, that people have shared with me is change, even good change, right? Mm -hmm. Like I remember my wedding, I was like jacked, like with hypo, like even good things, like people think that we just maybe react deeply to bad things, but it's like good and beautiful things too. Like you were saying, you like your dream was coming true, right? And it's like our our brains, you know, can't can't handle it, and and things start to happen, which is 
really, really hard, especially, and I'm curious about, um, I'm not a doctor, but I'm curious about if, if a lot of changes like that bring, you know, like bring it to the forefront. We know we already have a predisposition, but bring it to the forefront. And a lot of, um, I notice a lot of diagnoses are becoming when people are a little bit younger, which mm -hmm. is encouraging to me because like you, I had 15 years of like, I just thought it was depression and anxiety as well. And actually what got me into, you know, the emergency uh, ward to, to try and figure it out finally was um, the medicine because they mm. were setting the medicine up, up and up and it was um, an antidepressant. So oh, yeah. that usually affects a lot of folks yeah. um, with bipolar disorder. So mm. yeah, mm. yeah. And I can imagine like, the dropping out of school and then you said the relationship like that's a double whammy yeah that's actually i stayed in school but i lost the scholarship because oh, okay I band. so like originally when i went to school i was a music major so i wanted to be a uh, an audio engineer like the person responsible for like running studio sessions and mixing and mastering and stuff like that um but after i dropped out of the band I lost a scholarship and I ended up changing my major to sociology. And, um, you know, that was kind of tough because anytime I would see friends from, you know, my freshman class that were still in the band, it was just hard looking at them and seeing them live out the dream that I really wanted to, you know, to take part of. But, um, you know, after a while I got used to it and it was, it was cool, but yeah. yeah, it was, it was hard at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, you just, did you just know that it was too much? And that's, yeah. 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 I mean, it was, it was really affecting my ability to learn. And, mm -hmm. you know, at that level of plan, you know, it, it's way different than high school. And I kind of knew what to expect because I had a friend that had gone before me to that band, but it wasn't until I got there that I saw like, it's so much pressure on you to perform perfectly because, you have to play in front of thousands of people and wow. you know things like that and so I would try to learn I would do things like you know when I was holding my drumsticks I would like be trembling oh, a lot yeah. like that and they used to like make fun of me because of that and then after oh. that, I was just like I'm done with this yeah oh that amazing. sounds really really stressful yeah it was wow and so um when you had, because I know people have different levels of depression. So what does that look like for you? You mentioned low energy, but are you, I know that there's like, there's different levels. I can get a, a, out of bed, but everything is numb and gray and hard and yeah. I want to. And I, I, um, yeah. And I don't know why I don't believe that, like, I hate the word high functioning and low functioning. I feel like it's hierarchical, which isn't yeah. true. They're both like all of it is terrible but right. I'm wondering how how does depression play out for you and just for our listeners that are you know wondering um what that looks like and what you're thinking about um if you're willing I'd love for you yeah. to describe that definitely um I think one of the first things that I experienced like it's also like that with mania too but for depression is um I start sleeping longer than I usually do so you know I'm I'm pretty much a morning person like I like being up early and things but if I start getting to a point where like I'm sleeping like a couple of hours mm. later than what I usually do that's like one of the first 
Telltale song or Telltale. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah one of the times that that was happening. And I think that another thing that I was starting noticing is calling out of work a lot more. Mm. So just literally feeling like, like I can't do this today. Like there's no way I can't even picture myself getting out of this bed and walking into that office. So, you know, I, I would do that a whole lot. Um, another thing that I start realizing when I'm becoming depressed is a lot of my thoughts become a lot more negative and they start, I begin like, how can I say this? Like kind of just looking at myself in a negative way, like mm. a lot of negative self-talk, a lot of ruminating over like past mistakes, a lot of just stuff like that, that just sends me like further down the hole yeah. and um, isolating, you know, not really wanting to, to, to be bothered or not really wanting to go somewhere and feel like I have to put yeah. on a mask and, you know, mm-hmm. socialize with people and stuff like that. So um, those are some, oh, and then um, this is like the last one. Mm. Um, I don't do this so much anymore, but like there was one time when I, I could feel myself becoming depressed. My nicotine mm. usage would like increase. So like I would just chain smoke yeah. or um, even when I owned a hookah, like I would do that. And that was always a sign that usually would happen like before I was hospitalized. Mm. That's always happened before every time that I've been hospitalized, like cigarettes, cigarettes, cigarettes. Yeah. And, yeah. But those are some of the things. Yeah. That I, I wonder, I remember I was diagnosed with like disordered eating, but it would only be when I was depressed. Okay. Like it would all like, so, and I would like binge eat. Right. And I'm wondering, you're saying like, you're, you know, over consuming cigarettes or whatever. It's almost like, it's like a distraction and, or something I could control. Cause I would binge and restrict, binge and restrict. And okay. I, right. I didn't find out till later. Cause I'm like, how can you have an eating disorder? Like half the year yeah. and then not right. And then I just found it so relieving afterwards, um, to find out that that's, like that's actually a thing within yeah. bipolar yeah. disorder and yeah. and same like I have I have to stay away from everything because I know myself and I have an addictive personality I'm all or nothing and so yeah. I think like it's almost like food became my my addiction because it was something like my brain could focus on um instead of being sad but then it just made you feel worse later right it's like this yeah. horrible horrible cycle right yeah. right yeah, I can actually, uh, kind of relate to, well, maybe not all the way, but I was going to say like one, another thing that uh, you kind of just reminded me of is mm. there'll be a lot of times where I'm depressed or a minute just in one of the episodes and yeah. I night eat a lot. So it's like mm. I wake up in the middle of the night and will go crazy in the yeah. refrigerator. And sometimes I will be eating things that aren't really even like, I don't want to say edible, but like, I shouldn't be eating by itself. Like I shouldn't be eating ketchup by itself or like, you know, stuff like that. And sometimes the next morning, like I wouldn't remember a thing. Yeah. Or either I would like vaguely remember, but I just have noticed that that tends to like come and go depending on like where I kind of lie in the uh, spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. When I get hypomanic, I forget to eat. 
and oh, then yeah. yeah and so I remember thinking I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this in a minute but I'm I was very cyclical like I could almost count like down to the month when it was going to happen. So mm -hmm. I usually would gain a weight in the depression. And I remember like being like, hold on, and then you'll get, you know, smaller again. And then it mm. was like, extra hard on my body, right? Because there's your brain, and then there's your body, and then all the shame and all that's wrapped up in that. But that's yeah. interesting that it was the middle of the night. Well, that is so interesting yeah i don't know what is what that's about i mean i've talked huh. to the doctor about it and he kind of just at the time just kind of like brushed it off but i was really concerned because at the time you know i was living with my girlfriend and she just would wake up the next morning and be like what have you done like yeah yeah, yeah. because stuff would just be yeah but so i, I don't know was that before <laughs> for your diagnosis and medication or does it still happen it happens it happens now. interesting Sometimes. that's interesting it hasn't happened like a lot recently but it, yeah. it definitely happened like after yeah. I was diagnosed interesting know. oh it's so tricky that's yeah. so interesting so you mentioned that some of these things happen before you were hospitalized mm -hmm. so before I go there, actually, let's rewind. I want to hear what led up to your diagnosis, like what okay. happened. And then I'd love to hear if you're willing to talk about your hospitalization or more yeah. than one. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, definitely. So um, what led up to my diagnosis was, um, it was 2017, I believe. Yeah, it was 2017. And um I was having a lot of depressive episodes where I would have like kind of like fleeting suicidal thoughts where I would, you know, just just think about that a whole lot. So I ended up calling a um, a crisis line and they sent like a team of clinicians out to my apartment to assess me. And um, they ended up I either could go to like a hospital or either there was a a, a mental health facility that was outpatient that was actually not far from where I was so I just decided to go in there and talk to you know talk to them and see what was going on mm. and I saw a nurse practitioner and she was just asking me a lot about my symptoms but what's interesting is like along the same time that the depression was happening I would also have times where like I would wake up real early for no reason like let's say on a Saturday or something I would be up at five something or six mm. instead of like relaxing I would be up mopping sweeping cleaning the bathroom just doing like a lot of you yeah. know that type of stuff and when I was telling her about those things that's when she was like you know for, for lack of better words she was just like you know you have bipolar too and I you know I didn't know what to do with that information like I remember texting someone and I I was like afraid I was like shocked I was mm. I just had to make so much sense of something that up until that point I heard so many negative things about bipolar yes so, um to then be told that that's what you have it just it shattered my my world for a little bit and I just had to kind of like make sense of it yeah yeah for years I 
told, except for my close circle, I just said I had depression and anxiety. It took a long time for me to drop the B word. <laughs> it was like, yeah. because of, of stereotypes and things that, that um, we've heard. And for those listening that are like curious or relating, or maybe thinking, oh, this is something that I might need to, to look into. One of the main things to talk about when you go and see someone is the mania symptoms if you relate to any of those because otherwise over and over people just get diagnosed with depression mm -hmm. and it's harder to go when you're manic or hypermanic because lots of it feels good even it though it's usually destructive or it's too much or you crash it, you know I didn't go because I thought that was like regular me did you feel like that yeah I, I did I mean because even looking back on it I can't really remember really before 2017 I can't remember any manic symptoms but mm. looking back on it like I'm or hypomanic symptoms but looking back on it I'm sure that they were probably there mm. like um I, I was real impulsive so like I would just notice you know some of those things but I, I think like I didn't really think of it you know think anything of it because I, I didn't even know what mania was so yeah um, you know leading up to the diagnosis it felt good like okay I'm up early cleaning like you know I started yeah. my day early you know just it felt good but yeah it really <laughs> you know until it doesn't right like right. you're getting right. things done I got ideas and I think the hard thing with hypomania is that it's not like so obvious and out of character sometimes right mm -hmm. like unless you know your baseline like I would over shop but it would be like a couple hundred dollars I wouldn't drain the bank account so it was like different than I usually would be but not so extreme that we would look into it right yeah. and I think that's the tricky part about um hypomania versus I didn't even know there were two like different types um, <laughs> yeah of because when have they shown you know bipolar two symptoms and or not stereotypes on yeah. online right I yeah. always lately there's been a couple shows that I've watched and it's like there's like I watch it happen and I'm like there's a mom and then she starts like bailing on her kids and she's an artist and she usually yeah. takes off with the boyfriend and I'm like what's gonna come yeah. next and then they're <laughs> like oh she's bipolar I'm like come on like <laughs> This is not good representation, but right. yeah, every time I'm like, okay, I can do creative things, but I've never painted a day in my life. And they're right. always painters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. And then the male ones I usually see online, like they're angry or it makes them look like a, a, a villain, right? And it's like, yeah. no wonder people are so, so scared. Yeah. Yeah. Really long you know, I, I feel like we still have a really long way to go when it comes to that, because, you know, I, I don't feel like there's really, and I could be wrong, because I, I don't watch a lot of, like, TV and things, but, like, yeah. you know, I, I feel like there's not a lot of, like, accurate depiction of it. Um, For sure. Media is usually, like, the negative side of it is, like, magnified more than anything, so then the public starts to believe that that's right with bipolar so yeah 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 and it's like a, a a spectrum I loved what you said um in the very beginning about chipping away that to me that gave me like a little bit of hope right because I either get like oh it's totally terrible it's never gonna change why even try right like ah 
or or I'm like, yeah, I don't know where to start or whatever. I mean, obviously I'm starting somewhere with the podcast, but yeah, I like the way I like that. And it yeah. reminds me of when I was teaching, when I taught full-time, I taught kids, all the kids had learning differences. Okay. And I remember it's, it's really hard because, you know, I have to teach a totally different way and things um, don't progress as they would with neurotypical kids. And I remember someone said, you know, think of it as sticking something to a wall or throwing something and there is going to be some that stays, right? It might not be big chunks. It might not be this, but it is. And I had to hold on to that. So yeah, thank you for yeah. that. I love, I love that. Listen. Chipping away. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to use that. It's good. That's um, what it feels like. I mean, because, you know, yeah. I feel like it's, it's just, it's so many layers to it, you know, but I just feel like if we keep doing our part and, and chipping away, like you said, then hopefully, you know, I'm hopeful that one day, you know, things will be better as far as yeah. our representation and just speaking about mental illness, period. I feel like yeah, it's gradually getting better. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to get to the serious ones, right? Like we're getting there a bit with depression, anxiety, but a bit more serious, but I am hopeful because we are talking about things in the classrooms. Now we do things about self-regulation, even in kindergarten. Okay. And my daughter didn't even tell me, but she was like, I think it was like when she was in grade eight, I don't know, but she was at the age that you're really self-conscious and she did a project on bipolar and, and even said like, my mom has like, I wouldn't have done that in a kajillion years, right? So they they talk about, and I hear her telling her friends all the time, yeah, I'm going to therapy. Like, they're so chill. So I'm like, oh, the hope, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm curious, how did your circle or people that you knew, how, what kind of reactions did you have afterwards? Um, I had mixed reactions. Um, some people like, like I'll say like my mom for example like you know when I told her she was like you know pretty accepting of it and things so like that was cool but um I remember having like some friends one time there was a um, there's like a really popular music festival here in Atlanta called A3C and we were all supposed to you know as artists kind of like hang together that weekend and go out and network and stuff and I was just telling them like I'm just not feeling it and that's when I was like forthcoming about what had really been going on. And I kind of feel like at the time, like they just kind of just like dismissed it. Like it was like almost like maybe I'm just being lazy or I'm flaking or you know, something like that. So, yeah. um, but it, it really frustrated me. And I kind of took the route of where I'm not going to keep talking to you about it to try to convince you to think well of me, but so it, I just got mixed reactions, you know, but from the people that are really closest to me, they, they actually took it pretty well. They didn't know a lot about it. Right. Know? So maybe having certain conversations about things was, you know, difficult at times, but at the end of the day, they still showed me love and support. So mm. uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. I'll say yeah. That. Oh, yeah. I, I love that you, that you brought that up about people not really knowing and or you got tired of telling people because it's exhausting to live in and then try to explain it right yeah. 
So mm -hmm. people that are coming alongside or love someone that has a mood disorder, like learn the things and tell the people so we don't have to right. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. learn and, and you and I are both public about it. So uh, mm -hmm. we're open to questions. I don't get uh, like, I'm actually a little excited when people ask, yeah. I find the hardest part is when people just pretend like mm -hmm. and never bring it up ever, ever again. Right. Then mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. like, it's so awkward because then I don't feel like I can be like, Hey, I'm having an episode or I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but I need to cancel again. And yeah. I'm, it's not about you and I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I, uh, since that was at the beginning of the journey, I hadn't really necessarily worked on setting like certain boundaries or being assertive about things. You know, I was yeah. literally just still trying to figure it out at that point. So you know, I might not have even communicated it as well as I could have at the time. Right. Yeah. But, you know, just just doing the best that I could. And, you know, since then, I've actually had a conversation with one of them um, probably within the last couple of weeks. They saw something that I posted on either like TikTok or Instagram and they messaged me and they were like, hey, like, I just wanted to say sorry for oh. you know, any time that I, I guess, like brushed brushed it off and then they were saying like you know I'm, I'm actually wanting to learn more about like mental illness now so that was like a really touching moment because I kind of thought that relationship with that person was pretty much like over that's what it felt like wow that's so encouraging yeah yeah, yeah. wow so my question is about, so how did it come about that you started advocating? Uh, I don't know if you've done it offline, but online, you know, I'd love to hear about that journey. Yeah, so um, I think like my start with really advocating was um, in a way, like when I first moved to Atlanta, the, the job that I had, I worked at a public mental health facility and oh wow a facility that uh that served veterans so like I worked at the front desk for a few months and then I got promoted to a case management position so I had a lot of clients that had like SPMRs you know severe mental illness yeah and, um you know sometimes I would have to like take them to their doctor's appointments and you know be the one to like speak for them and you know just things like that and then more jobs like that over the years so like in that way I was doing it somewhat like at my nine to five but as it related to kind of like what I'm doing now um I think one of the biggest things for me at the time was you know when I was having these episodes of depression or whatever the case may be I would go looking for people that had answers and so I would look on YouTube I'll look on Instagram mm -hmm. I just started noticing that I didn't really see anyone that looked like me mm. and I saw a lot of black men um that were speaking from like a therapist standpoint but I didn't see many black men speaking from a patient standpoint and you know just spilling it all out like you know talking about how hard it is and the good the bad the ugly and so I said you know what like that's I want to do that. Like, I, I want to do that. It's not all about that, but I do know that, you know, again, it, it is frustrating looking for people to, you know, find that help from, and you, you don't see um, that many that, that look like you. So that's pretty much like the reason why 
yeah wow so yeah yeah. So I just had a conversation actually a couple of days ago. Um, I don't know if you know Sarah Fox. She has Rough Edges podcast. Um, she's a black woman living in in New York. Okay. And we did a specific one talking about mental health and the black community because I, I wanted to learn and she was sharing mm-hmm. stuff on her Instagram and things that that um yeah, I that were really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, I'd love to talk about what what you think the like the top like symptoms are and I'm curious do you what do you notice as a difference between um you know being in the black community versus the white community do you think the stigmas are different or the same I'd love to hear about that um I think it just depends on you know it is I think it depends on the the families or right you know, because I'm not going to say that like all black people are like that or. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think that one thing, at least in the black family that I've noticed, like especially mine is um, there's this like mentality of like survival, but along that road, like not completely quote-unquote complaining about the things that are hard for you because and this is just my personal opinion I feel like you know um, a lot of that mindset has been passed down from generation to generation because there was a time in this country where you know we did have to kind of just deal with stuff and just suck it up and move on in order to survive because if we didn't then that could have meant like a number of things and so I just feel like at a time where that really stopped serving us as a people, like I feel like it continued to be passed on. So now you have a lot of families who, you know, I feel like in in our community, if you were to bring up mental illness, it's kind of like either, you know, pray it away or, um, you know, you know, it's just not, it's not taken serious and sometimes it's taken as like a a, it's almost like looked at as a a weakness to talk about the things that are like going wrong with you right right thanks for sharing that I appreciate it yeah 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 um I'm curious I know that you were talking about I don't remember everything but I know you were talking um, recently on one of your vid- videos about bipolar and work and you just mentioned some of your work before but I think I remember you saying that like you had to leave your work or what yeah. is uh, how has bipolar affected your career or your job or how you've um, managed that yeah it's it it's affected it a lot actually it, it's been really hard like looking back like over the last like even before I was diagnosed with bipolar, even with just the depression and anxiety, it it made staying on jobs hard. It made, um, I used to feel like insecure, like self-conscious, excuse me, because, um, you know, divulging some of that information with, excuse me, the right people and then having to come back at work and being around them and stuff and wondering like are they looking at me like this are they looking at me like that so um it, it's cyclical though because 
I feel like now there's been times where, you know, I go through my depression, I take time off of work, but then there's been times where like I hit the ground running at work and I'm in my groove and I'm doing things mm-hmm. like I really want to. But I think overall, I'm really starting to question, like, can I even work full time? I, I Yeah. It's hard for me to even come out and say that, but it's just, I just feel like it's, it's never, it's not working. Like every single job I've had, especially over the last two to three years, like I've yeah. always had to take extended time off of work. And unfortunately this time, um, it, it just really came down to uh, my job requiring documentation for me to return to work. And the doctor that I had seen had just started seeing me. He had only seen me like one time before. So he basically told me like, I'm not gonna fill this out because basically, uh. I don't know you basically the day that it was due thanks I didn't know, right exactly <laughs> I've been terrible. told by have been told by the staff there to yeah come on in for this appointment he'll fill it out for you and then get there that morning he says I'm not filling it out so I called my job and they're basically like well that's that's it like oh. you know so um it it's weird though because I've never been fired from any job yeah. before. this is my first time but I still have a good relationship with them because it wasn't like I did something like egregious right. or whatever. It just was the documentation I couldn't provide. So that's been, you know, a, a difficult last like few weeks dealing with that. But, you yeah. know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that happened. It's like, read the file. Right. right? Like, um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I, I, I don't know exactly how it works in the States, but we have, it's called our GP, general practitioner or whatever, which is our regular doctor. Yeah. And mine told me um, twice when I came in and I actually said, I think I have bipolar disorder. And because, and I get it because I'm a substitute teacher. I'm not good at everything. I get that they can't be good at everything, but surely there could be more training so that he looked me flat out and was like, no, you wouldn't have a degree or be a good mom. Wow. If you did. And I see that you're both of those. So, and I was like, well, thanks for the compliment about being a good mom, but also <laughs> right. like, you know, and so I like put me back probably seven years from a yeah. diagnosis. So yeah, ugh, it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty brutal. And yeah. here in Canada, I'm, um, we have free healthcare, right? Which people think is awesome, but because it's free, everyone's on the waiting list for, it doesn't even matter unless you go to Emerge or the psych ward, you, you have to wait a year and a half to see a psychiatrist. Wow. It's like, and they're the ones that give the meds, right? Like in the diagnosis, right? So it's, it's wow. pretty wild. I can't even, I'll go off about the medical system, but I'll stay on track. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can say a little more about them too, because I'm, man, and the, the stories that I've been hearing from people about their experiences with, you know, uh, psychiatrists or therapists even, is just yeah. like, it amazes me because I'm like, you're supposed to be, like, you're a doctor. Like, I feel like out of everyone who would have a better understanding about how yeah. this really works and you got access to all the articles that we can't even read and stuff like yeah. that they'll look at us like this is just it's terrible yeah well and I would think like surely if that's if there's so much misunderstanding then maybe you could make that section or course longer right like right. our governments everybody's saying they care so much but if we look at systems systems aren't showing that they care right yeah, they're not it breaks 
breaks my heart. And yeah. I'm hoping, and I just know the work you're doing, and I'm hoping some of the work I'm doing will just help a, a little bit. Um, I'm really excited that there's been some, you know, some therapists reach out because wow. that's it too. There's like, I love what you do because there's so many experts out there, right, that have read about it. But I wanted to, when I was first diagnosed 12 years ago, see someone with lived experience or hear from someone with lived experience instead of just like doom and gloom textbooks, which it's important to learn about things. But yeah, yeah. And that's why I just appreciate you so much. Before we go, I would love to hear a couple strategies that have helped you the most. Um, it could be all the time or in a depressive episode or in a manic episode. I'd love to hear some things that help you. Um, I think um, whether going into a manic or a depressive episode, just feeling like my emotions are kind of becoming like dysregulated. One thing that has helped me, I haven't done it like a whole lot recently because life has just been kind of crazy but like meditation was something that helped me a whole lot um when I was in rehab um we would do meditation like every day and I used to hate it but then I just started loving it and what I would end up doing is like throughout the day if things were going on and I could feel my emotions kind of starting to mm. I'm like kind of unsteady like I would go to my room I would close the door turn on like the water sounds and meditate and you know, it's easier said than done, but I will say like, for me, at least when I got into it, yeah. it, would, it would just kind of like center me again, you know, where I wasn't going to, you know, it, it just, it helped to to ground me in a way, you know, um, and I'm not going to say that that would even help all the time, but just, you know, at a certain yeah. point, I think that would help. Um, another thing that's, that's uh, kept me stable is um, honestly, like medication, like yep. You know, making sure that um, I'm staying in contact with my doctor when I have these changes and and making the proper adjustments, but just trying to do a better job of taking them like around the same time. Yeah. Remembering to take them because there's been times where I've picked up a pill bottle and been like, damn, like I can't, did I take it already? And then yes. when I get like that, I'm just like, I'll just set the bottle down because I don't want to take extra anything. right yes and yeah so I think um for me like medication is is definitely important and then um hmm. does your music help your creativity yeah it, it actually does um and I, I'm surprised I didn't even mention that but yeah like it does help, but it depends on how much I'm into an episode. Like if I'm too right. going into a depressive episode, then, you know, it's, I don't even want to work on music, but, you know, um, recently a lot of the music I've been working on, the new music I've been working on is like trying to find a way to really illustrate the bipolar experience, at least what it looks like for me and my struggles with addiction so those times where I am able to write it and take a step back and look at it and listen be like oh like that actually sounds like really good so um yeah music helps and then I think one more thing before I forget is um yeah. community like oh yeah community has helped me so much over the last few weeks because with everything that's kind of been going on in my life right now it's just been like just a hard time and then 
when I try to open up, you know, bit by bit about it, the the feedback that I receive from people that are just like, oh, like I've experienced the same thing or either like, hey, have you tried this? Or even just kind words like, you know, I hope you feel better. You know, I, I really feel the love from the people that, you know, I've been blessed to really have, you know, supporting me. And that's meant the world to me, you know, because it's, there's so many times where, you know, we may experience things and uh, we feel like we're all alone in it. And of course, when that happens, it's, it's pretty much downhill from there. But to have other people and not just one or two, but possibly thousands and thousands of other people that can relate to you, it's, yeah. it's an amazing feeling. It, it does a lot for me. Yeah, same. I know people talk, you know, about all the hard things about social media, but it's a safe space. Like, I, I, I never ever get tired of hearing like a me too or like uh I'm with you or I hear you I just it it's it's like medicine it really is and yeah. um yeah and I I love it I can see in your community online that so many people are supportive of the of the work that you are doing what is your Instagram handle again so that people can go and find you and then I'm assuming there's some links and some posts with your music yeah, so um, my Instagram handle, um, it's the same for like Instagram, TikTok. I don't really use Twitter like that, but YouTube as well. It's uh, yep. the real B Russ. So just yep. B-R-E-A-L and then B-R-U-S-S. So yep. the real B Russ, that's across all platforms. And then um, I'm B Russ on like Spotify, on YouTube, things like that as well. Um, I do have links up and I'm actually about to put a link up for a new song I'm about to put out, but it'll be on my profile. So like, you know, um, awesome. definitely can listen on streaming platforms. And if you don't have one that you're subscribed to, then um, even SoundCloud, you can, you know, listen to it for free on there too. That's amazing. Run, don't walk, go follow. Yep. <laughs> Um, before we, we wrap up here, I want to let people know that I'm doing a series called going deeper and being, I'm going to be starting a membership club, um, soon to just be able to support the, the work I do. And Brandon and I are going to talk, um, and go deeper a little bit about addiction. And so, um, when it comes out, sign up for the membership and that'll be there for you to, um, listen to. I'm really excited for that conversation. Um, there isn't a ton of, of people out there speaking about bipolar and addiction. And so I'm really grateful that we are going to be able to discuss that. So as we leave, what would be something that you would say to someone listening that's struggling right now? Um, as cliche as it may sound, and I probably would even lead with that and saying it to them because I do recognize like some people say things over and over and just really doesn't have any like, I guess, value. But like, I guess like the main thing I would let them know is like, you know, it it can be okay. Like mm. it's not, I've had this conversation recently with some people that were like newly diagnosed and, you know, their biggest fear is like, it's almost like it's a death sentence or like life yeah. is over type of thing. But I keep reminding people that, you know, it it sucks that we have bipolar, but it is actually a good thing that if we're properly diagnosed, because then we can look at how to treat it so we can move forward. And, 
you know, as far as the episodes and things like that, you know, I've, I've had to recognize this and I've also told people this, but, you know, they, they don't last forever. Like they usually mm. some type of beginning and end. And it's really, you know, about kind of like riding the wave to a, to a degree. And um, I mean, I think another big thing I would say to them would be, you know, you're not alone. Like there's literally thousands of people out here just like you, like down to like stuff that I'm really shocked about that we're like really, really, really similar. And so understanding that just kind of puts it in perspective. Like this isn't something, it's not like some curse that only I have to deal with, but this is something that a lot of people have to deal with. And being able to see examples of people still succeeding mm-hmm. with bipolar or you know any mental health diagnosis as long as they you know take care of themselves and things like yeah. that you know that's kind of what I yeah I I love that I love that so much I think I even I felt it when you said you know there are thousands of people out there um that just gave me a lot of hope. And I know that people hearing you today is going to give a lot of hope and just thank you for what you're, you're putting out in the world. I know I'm now a number one fan in there. Um, yes. just Cause I'm like, <laughs> bam, he hit that video. Yes, yes, yes. And I love, yes. I love that so much. So thank you for being here today. And I'm excited to have our, our next conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, it's an honor, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I never would have even thought, like, when I first started speaking about mental illness, like, I had no idea, like, how far it would take me as far as, like, meeting people from around the world and having these conversations. So, like, it, it's such an honor, and I really appreciate you as well. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. This is Bipolar. Thanks again for tuning in. You can find video versions of This Is Bipolar on our YouTube channel. We also have all our previous and soon-to-be-future episodes of the podcast on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Play. We spend most of our time on Instagram at this.is.bipolar. There is a vibrant community there where we have conversations and post different ideas and different strategies and we'd just love for you to join us there. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. If you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. This is bipolar.